Phil, at what point did you guys know you're gonna have such a run heavy approach? Was that the plan all week or was that something that you No no. You know, we didn't know what it was gonna be. It's the way it worked out on look Josh did a good job throwing the ball out there today. It's not easy. I thought he did a pretty good job. Not that he, you know, had a career day or anything, but it was it was tough conditions, but he, he slung it in there pretty good, made some really good throws. Things got testy. Bill, have you ever been part of a game where you've thrown this little three or four times? High school, college, anything you remember? Yeah, I don't know. We didn't throw the ball much in high school. Started off with Tyler Bischoff from ESPN Radio. How similar was this one to the last game in 2008? Oh, that was a lot worse. This was a lot worse? No, that was a lot worse. Yeah, oh, yeah. Way, way worse. You just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Did you have to turn those Belichick highlights or sound all the way up so we could hear the static in the background too? Uh, so you could hear the question. I don't understand. Like I couldn't hear Belichick. I could understand the question. What the hell did he say in the last was one? Worse. Yeah, oh, I assume he's uh, talking about the wind. So in 2008, there was a Patriots-Bills game that was basically like unplayable. Probably I, also there. Yes, it was. And he, he was, they asked him, was this as bad as the 2008 game? And he was like, no, that was the worst. That's the worst weather I've ever dealt with in my entire life. He only life. threw one pass that <laughs> If I Actually, I should go look it up. I think that may have been. Be. Yeah, I think that may have just been a game where they went, okay, Aaron, Gronk, you guys are blocking all night. All right, hold on. Before we get into any more Patriots bills in the AFC, I have some stats for you. These are college stats for Cleveland Furl, Max Crosby, and Raiders fullback Sutton Smith, oh, who was tearing it up at Northern okay. Illinois. By the way, Max Crosby and Sutton Smith played in the same conference the exact same years. Same, they they played three years and each. Sutton was and a they played player. the exact same. So here we go. First off, Cleveland Furl, Clemson, forty-two career games in college, twenty-seven sacks, fifty point five tackle for loss. Max Crosby, 37 games in college, 20 sacks, so seven less than Cleveland Furl, 40 tackles for loss. Sutton Smith, 37 games, same as Crosby, five less than Furl, 30 sacks, (laughs) three more than Cleveland Furl, 10 more than Max Crosby, 58 and a half tackles for loss, 18 and a half more than Crosby, eight more than Cleveland Furl. I just want to ask Basachi on Wednesday. Do you realize he plays defense? Max like, Crosby the first question. is the best edge rusher on the team. Well, that and we know Sutton about. Smith was better than <laughs> him in college. He's the best uh, rush usher who's been allowed to play. Yes. <laughs> Where are the Sutton Smith snaps? Ugh. I do not care anymore. Sutton Smith needs to be playing defensive end. They have got to get him a handful of snaps here. He can take Cleveland Furl. Got ask Pisacci tomorrow. Gotta oh ask my him, hey, God! Do you know this guy? What he did in college <laughs> defensively? What if Pisacci says no? I mean, they they like Jared said. He the, his last stop was as a fullback. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would think they would know, but who knows? Maybe they just say hey, this guy's a fullback. We'll take this guy. I absolutely love that the Raiders fullback Sutton Smith might be the best collegiate pass rusher on the roster that right they now. that they have. That yes, before other than the guys they drafted. Yeah. I'm going to assume he was, like, really slow at the combine. Undersized. Like, oh, yeah, he's only six foot tall. 
Okay. Like I like again, which makes it more impressive in college. <laughs> not that Crosby got drafted high, but Crosby got taken fourth in in the middle of the rounds, right? Sutton Smith got taken in the sixth round and like immediately was like, "Yeah, you're fullback." Yeah. <laughs> like he's never played. I don't think he's ever played it down on defense. So I just I don't know. I'm I'm thinking he he had to have been slow or something or like there, he didn't have enough bend or whatever like because the dude he outperformed max crosby he only had 10 reps on the bench at the at the combine like, yeah, this guy's not very strong for a for a edge guy he outperformed max crosby by a significant margin in, in the same college. conference in the same yeah like this isn't so they're like, playing the same team right like you could argue okay clean furl was a clemson he was playing against better opponents right. than the guy playing at northern illinois he and crosby were both <laughs> in the mac and this guy was better better than crosby so I'm looking around saying, all right, we got to get this guy some snaps. So I found it. 2008 Patriots over Bills, 13 to zero. Oh. The Patriots ran the ball 47 <laughs> times. And Matt Castle miraculously completed six of eight passing for 73 yards. Six of eight. <laughs> Big day for Matt Castle. So last night, the Patriots beat the Bills 14 to 10. Mac Jones was two of three for 19 passing yards. Zero fantasy points. Patriots ran the ball 46 times uh, on 49 plays. Like, do you believe the weather was so bad they literally couldn't pass? Because Josh Allen threw it, and not that Josh Allen was good, but Josh Allen threw it. Like, do we believe that it was so bad Mac Jones wasn't going to be able to throw the ball? uh, I have to be honest with you. I saw pregame with the goalposts almost falling down. So I said, that's windy. And then right when it started, I was looking at um, the national anthem being sung by a cowboy because I was at the rodeo. And then I saw saddle bronc uh, racing and barrel racing. Uh, So I'm assuming, and you guys watched, that the weather was that bad and the wind was what I saw in the pregame, which is literally, I think the goalposts were coming down. So here's the fun detail. I think you missed this last week when, uh, when when we talked about Mac Jones throwing the ball like a pillow. He had a teammate, and one of his receivers said that he throws the ball like a pillow. And Pro Football Focus wrote a whole story on this where his the, his motion? No, it's the actual football, he said, is like catching a pillow. And Pro Football Focus wrote a whole story on this about how the Patriots have the lowest drop rate in the NFL. They have the lowest drop rate in franchise history. Granted, they've only been tracking that for like 15 years. But like they've got the lowest drop rate they've ever had, and they're trying to figure out why. And they're like, well... Mac Jones doesn't throw it really hard. Like Mac Jones just sort of lobs it in there and he's been successful doing it, but like the arm strength isn't there. And I'm genuinely curious if Bill Belichick said my quarterback's arm is a noodle. He can't throw (laughs) through the wind. Well, we also did. Didn't we pull up a specific play where Mac Jones, like the, the defender, the defender is there. But the ball is moving so slowly that the defender is he's out of the play by the time that it gets there. I didn't hear the person say that. Was that a backhanded compliment? No, was it was. That, it was. Hey, like, I love it because I know it's right. not going to come fast, yeah. and I can catch everything yeah. he throws. Yeah. That's that's yeah. It was like a, it's a compliment. Yeah, no, they're saying like it's a good. They're playing this up as a good thing that Mac Jones doesn't have. Because they can catch everything. A good arm. Yeah. That, hey, his ball comes in like a pillow and it's easy to catch. <laughs> I don't know if Matt whatever. Jones thinks that's a compliment. Probably not. <laughs> he probably read that in the paper and said, what is that about? But I'm genu- I genuinely think Bill Belichick looked at that game and said, huh, my quarterback's arm is so weak that if he tries to throw a pass in this wind, it's going to come back and hit him in the face. 
And hey, he, he completed two passes. He did complete two passes. And Josh Allen, meanwhile, has a monster arm. And it's like, yeah, Josh Allen can probably throw through the wind a lot easier than Mac Jones can. And because of that, Bill Belichick said, all right, I'm running the ball 46 times. All right, so Charles McDonald says in the Patriots are the best AFC uh, team. Who do you have now? I yeah. have the Patriots. I still think with it's the Patriots. Patriots. I, and like Charles said, I don't think anything that happened last night is really – there's nothing to really, take really away. judge on something right. like that. Because again, the Patriots threw two three passes, three passes in a game. And next week they may throw 65 passes <laughs> yeah. in a game because they're playing. Uh, who do they play next? If Buffalo plays Tampa. They're going to throw it 65 yeah. times, but yeah, but that's like, I, I don't think there's much to take away simply because it was a fluke environment. And I guess, sure. If Buffalo hosts new England in the playoffs and they play in that same exact scenario, then we can look back and say, ah, Look what the Patriots did, but I don't think you take much away. Other than, I'll take this away from it. The Patriots are two games ahead of the Bills in the AFC mm-hmm. West or AFC East right now. They're winning the division. Mm-hmm. Like, that that's happening. The Bills are going to not only have to beat the Patriots in their next meeting in New England, they're going to have to make up a whole nother game against the Patriots before the season ends just to force the tiebreaker. So, uh, Patriots are winning the division because they're up by two now. Does this definitive, well, maybe not definitively, I guess he has to win a Super Bowl, but does this sort of prove that Bill Belichick could kind of do this with anyone? Man. Like, he did it with Matt Castle. He's doing it with a guy that he literally went, you don't throw. You don't throw, young man. As long as he's got a defense, yeah. Seven straight, and right now, if it ends today, they have home field. Yeah. Which, I'm sorry, at the beginning of the season, if you said, oh, they're going to have home field, people would be like, oh, you're crazy. Yeah, I, I do. I mean, listen, the Patriots last year were not very good. They had a bunch of players that opted out uh, and a lot of players on defense. Their defense took a big step back. Now that everybody's back, the Patriots are again, like, what are they, a top five defense in the league, whatever it is. If Bill Belichick has a good defense, I truly believe, yeah, he can go to the playoffs with anybody at quarterback. You'll probably say yes. Are there any better matchups than Brady against Belichick for actually a Super Bowl? Probably not. I mean, I would like, I'd like Brady versus Mahomes again, and maybe actually Mahomes completes some passes <laughs> instead of hitting his players in the helmet. So, <laughs> NFC teams that would be fun, right? I think, NFC. So, if we're just doing it by conference, I think the Cardinals with Kyler Murray. I think that could be fun because that could be like a you know ascension to stardom for Kyler Murray right. if they won the Super Bowl, or even if they just get there. Aaron Rodgers is probably fun if he's in the Super Bowl. I mean, it's he's got one in his career. He's sort of looking around. Does he need a second for his legacy? But Brady is probably the bigger deal than both of those teams. Maybe the Cowboys, America's I, team. I think Brady's mm. the most intriguing just for the simple fact of, oh, my God, how many can he win at this age? And then in the AFC, I, I guess Lamar Jackson and the Ravens oh, would that'd be, be so fun. Would be intriguing. Um Josh Allen and the Bills, maybe. I mean, if Josh Allen's playing would really Mahomes well. Mahomes be? Yeah, I mean, Mahomes would be. Not the I mean, Mahomes we're seeing. He always is. Not the 22 to 9 win over the Broncos. Um, Herbert could be in that same category as Kyler Murray, that if the Chargers were to make the Super Bowl, it's sort of, hey, this guy's ascending to stardom. But I can't think of a matchup I'd rather see than, if, just from a storyline standpoint, that would produce more storylines than Patriots Brady versus Spurs. Brady. I think oh, that's yeah. his. Herbert made it. You see a lot of uh, rolling yeah. dice with uh, Coached Herbert. I mean, if we're <laughs> My goodness, Coach yeah. Herbert, <laughs> Coach uh, Herbert back in college. If uh, if we're if we're looking for like most fun matchup, 
Chargers, Cardinals. Ooh. Bills, Cardinals. Oh, yeah. Ravens, yeah. Uh, Cardinals. Maybe. The Ravens have played some absolutely terrible games this year. I know, but they're always entertaining. That's true. Um, they're, they're always like, how did they fumble with 30 <laughs> seconds left and lost? That is true. They are normally fun. So I think that's, if, you, if you're looking for pure fun, you can do better than the Patriots and Bucks because the Patriots are not exactly a fun team. They no. play defense and they've got Mac Jones and he manages whatever situation you want him to manage. But like storylines wise, it'd be incredible. I, I, it would I genuinely Except be I don't think it'd be incredible, but at the same time, I think neither of those two guys are going to say, well, they don't anything. Have to say anything. Gronk will be the only one oh, talking. Yeah. Like, oh, Gronk will be great. Yeah, yeah he'll be. Uh, he'll oh. be like, "Hey, Dad." Yeah. yeah. No, the the media night and all week, the it wouldn't even be worth going to either of their press conferences. They would say nothing. Right. And but you wouldn't need them to. The storylines are there. Yeah, it's enough. I have one more quick thing about a 2008. Patriots Bills game. The longest punt of the game was 57 yards by Matt Castle. (laughs) (laughs) Coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's Briefs. When life gives you lemons, don't make lemonade. Make life take the lemons back. Bischoff's Briefs. Get mad. I don't want your damn lemons. What am I supposed to do with these? Bischoff's Briefs. Demand to see life's manager. Bischoff's Briefs. Do you know who I am? I'm the man who's going to burn your house down with the lemons. My chicken is racing right now. No, it is? Yes. I hate you. As we speak? As we speak. There's 10 meters left for chicken 2323. Oh, I think he got second. Did he beat him by a beak? I think we got second. I think two, three, two, Did three. Did you just say beat him by a beak? Beat him by a beak. My goodness. <laughs> hey, we got second. Six dollars. Six dollars for chicken two, three, two, three. What a superstar he is. You gotta be excited. I, sh- I shouldn't have played the chicken open. I, I knew as soon as I did, he would find a way to shoehorn. <laughs> oh, that was irrelevant, Jared. I have no idea what you in just played as an intro. I was watching my chicken race here. Uh, we did race another chicken this morning that came in uh, last place. So really? That's good. Yeah. That's so what you're looking for. We're doing, we're doing well. Good start to the chickens. Now, Bischoff's brief. Jared just told me he was excited about this. I think Marcus Arroyo is petty. So, Jacoby Winman led UNLV in tackles tackles for loss, and sacks this season. Uh, It was very clear to anybody that paid attention, Jacoby Winman was the best player on UNLV's defense. And not only the best player on the defense, best player on the team. I mean, even better than Charles Williams. Jacoby Winman was awesome. Two days after the season ended, Jacoby Winman announced that he was transferring. If you've paid attention, Jacoby Winman took a visit to Michigan State. Uh, He has an offer from Penn State. He has an offer from Texas Like he's getting offers from not just like power five schools. Like he has one from Kansas too. He's getting offers from like teams that are legitimately good at the sport of football, right? That are offering Jacoby when he's very good, but he's transferring no longer a part of UNLV's program. So Jacoby Winman, after he announced he was transferring was named second team, all mountain West UNLV's football Twitter account. They tweeted out congratulations to 
almost all their players that were named to all Mountain West teams. They sent one out for Cameron Friel, who was named freshman of the year. They sent one out for Charles Williams, who was named Mountain West first team. They sent one out for Austin Ajake, who was named Mountain West all honorable mention, and Daniel Gutierrez, the kicker, who was honorable mention as well. They did not send a tweet congratulating Jacoby Winman on getting second team all Mountain West. Didn't do it. Sent one out for everybody else that got awarded something by the Mountain West, but not Jacoby Winman. And then we got an email about UNLV's uh, team awards. They announced their own awards, so like offensive MVP, defensive MVP, and some other things. Jacoby Winman was not named the defensive MVP (laughs) of UNLV. Austin Ajake was instead. And again, Jacoby Winman led UNLV in tackles, tackles for loss, and sacks. Hands down. Oh, and was tied for first and forced fumbles. Hands down the best player on the defense and they did not name him defensive MVP and they did not congratulate him with a tweet for being all mountain West second team. The only place I believe we saw this kid's name for his honor was the original release that just yes. named, all, named all their players. Yes. I think that's the only, that's th- it. That's the only place we ever saw his name. UNLV purposefully did not say anything publicly about Jacoby Winman after he transferred. And that, to me, is Marcus Arroyo being extremely petty. Because if you're Jacoby Winman, he has offers from Penn State, Michigan State, and Texas. Of course that guy's leaving. Yes. Like, see you later. I'm not sticking around for UNLV where we'll be lucky to win four games. I'm going somewhere. I mean, Michigan State was what? Two games away from being in the college football playoff? And he at least knows his coach will be there for another decade. (laughs) Same with Penn State. They both got 10-year deals. So, like, that's a no-doubter that you're leaving UNLV to go to one of those schools. UNLV very rarely has a player that that could get offers from those schools. So there's no doubt about it. You're leaving. So... I, to me, this comes across as very petty from Marcus Arroyo in the football program. Where you're, you're unwilling to recognize a player having a great season because they went on to something yeah. better. I think that of the two, far more petty is not naming the kid defensive player of the year. Because yes. I'll, I'll get, I'm going to say that Arroyo, I don't know if he has full power, but he knows who wins those awards. There's no question about that. He's head coach. The tweets, I'm sure he knew about it also. I'm not going to give him a total leeway, but those sometimes are handled by specific uh, people in the athletic department. And yet, I think they would have asked to ask Arroyo. Yeah. Because if you're going to leave him off the tweets, and Arroyo's, you know, Arroyo's like most coaches nowadays. He's all on Twitter, which is fine. These, these guys actually should be on social media as coaches. And we not me. Trying to gain a, yes, a hashtag. We hashtag. Not we um, not me. But the not naming him defensive right. player of the year, of all the things you said, is the worst. Hands down, best, no best defensive player that UNLV had. Best player they had, period. That right. is unbelievable. D- does, is there any, and maybe I'm, I'm thinking about this all wrong, is there any reason why you wouldn't do, like, you wouldn't be, I, I just, I guess I don't understand. Like, it, to me, this, it would help recruiting to be like, yeah, even when you leave, you're still a rebel for, like, you know, we're, we're going to recognize you. I don't understand this, like, sweep it under the rug. What does this well, help? What does this do? Yeah. Whether you like it or not that he's going most coaches in most programs and you know uh, behind the scenes you might just be ripping the kid and saying how can he do this how can he leave but most programs will say look if you don't want to be here we're going to help you get what you want because you committed to us so we're going to help you go where you want that happens all the time you hear that now again 
behind the scenes, they might be like saying, hey, how can he, you know, screw us over? Why would you leave? But publicly, you should come out and say, hey, he doesn't want to be here or he feels there's other options. We're going to do our best to help him. Yeah. That's what you should be saying. I hear that all the time from coaches. I don't believe it all the time, but at least they say that publicly. I don't know how how much like this type of thing other coaches would know about. But I have to imagine if they do, this is a pretty easy thing to like negatively recruit UNLV. Like if you're recruiting yeah. a kid head to head with UNLV, you can be like, hey, go to UNLV. If you're awesome, the coach is just going to com- pretend you didn't exist mm-hmm. if you leave him. Like if you're better than UNLV and you go on to Michigan State or something like that, like they're just going to pretend like you didn't exist. And if I'm a, pl- oh. yeah, I mean, it, it does, it looks terrible for Arroyo. And if I'm another coach recruiting head to head with Arroyo for a player, I'm absolutely using stuff like this against him. Absolutely. And, I mean, UNLV also, uses stuff. All coaches use this stuff. If this were a coach, like if he, if Arroyo had been awesome for two, like for like the last year, and he was getting offers from Mich- to Michigan State. Yes, he would have left. Well, he should have. As Tyler said earlier in the show, that's what you want from the UNLV coach. The level UNLV's at, the best thing that could ever happen for UNLV is that Marcus Arroyo is so good, they start going to bowls and a Power 5, t- and a power five school takes him. That's the best thing that could happen. Because you know if he leaves for Power 5 school, he has rebuilt the, the Rebels into a winner, they're going to bowl games, and the next person comes in, comes into a really, really good situation. Yeah. But that hasn't happened in forever. I don't know if it's ever happened. I mean, because back in the day, I don't even know if that happened then. Wouldn't, I mean, am I the only one that would have tried to positively spin this? Like, uh, yeah, we develop, we, right? we're a group of five, but we'll, we can develop you. And if you want to go play in a power five, come like, I mean, I know that's sort of like saying you're a junior college, but at this point, you, you are, know, you've won two games. You are effectively, it's effectively promoting a draft pick, True. right? Like it's effectively True. what it is. UNLV hasn't a draft pick in over a decade. This is effectively what that is. Jacoby Winman, hey, he came to UNLV. Yeah. We can help produce you and, and get you somewhere better in your career, right? Why don't you take a, a tact like you just said of, hey, we did such a good job with the kid. He can play at a higher level. This is what he wants. We're going to support him. Like take that tact and say, hey, and you can tell, you know, tell the next linebacker, look, look, look what happened. Look, right. we didn't want to lose him, but this is the reality of the transfer portal. We got him to where he got these offers. He listened in practice. He, tra- he, you know, he busted his butt in practice and, you know, obviously spring practice. And this is where we got yeah. him to. You could be, that there could be been, you next. There could have been so many different ways to handle that. Yeah. Coming up next, Justin Emerson joins the show. Robin, it was a pretty exciting three on three. And then it goes to the shootout. I'm curious kind of what you think about the shootout in general, whether that you kind of like the format or if you think that there should be more extended three on three or basically how overtime would go if you have the choice. You think I like the shootout? <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. Robin, thanks for the time. Thank you. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. Joining us now is Justin Emerson from the Las Vegas Sun. Uh, that audio never ceases to make Ed laugh. Uh, it's pretty great. Um, by the way, guys, I'm watching another one of my oh, chickens race. God, oh, please. Justin is not here. <laughs> Justin does not have the time to waste for you to sit here and yeah. watch one of your chickens race. Yeah, yeah, no, he does. I definitely do. I have, yeah. a lot of, I have a lot of time. I'm doing oh. nothing this morning. 
morning. So, yeah. yeah we, we, we can talk about this chicken race or whatever Tyler's talking about. I have no idea what that is. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Here we go. chickens. Here we go. Have you ever heard of NFT chicken racing, Justin? Because you're about to. Uh, I is this own. like the NFT horse racing yes. thing that you guys were doing earlier? Yes. But now, now it's chickens okay. and it's just started. Yeah. And uh, Chicken 407, he's currently in last place, but he's making a strong push for the lead right now. Uh, yeah. Good luck, bro. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, what you're really here to talk about, though, is Survivor. <laughs> yeah. 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 What are we? Today's Tuesday, so we got another episode tomorrow. Uh-huh. Well, there's a Golden Knights game tomorrow. I know. Oh, it's, it's brutal. Like, it's absolutely brutal. Um, by the way, Chicken 407 is finishing in last place, which is an absolute nightmare because uh, that's supposed to be our best chicken. Man, your chicken stink. Yes, yeah. Chicken 407 <laughs> is coming second to last or last in every single uh. race we've put him in. So not great. Um, all right. Who is winning Survivor, Justin? Probably Xander, right? He seems to be in pretty good shape. He's playing a good game. He's going to get good jury votes. I think he's still got an idol in his pocket, too. So he he's, he's in good shape. He does. Ed and Jared have no idea what's happening right now. And I literally great. thought you were talking about Survivor Pool and what team he was going to pick this No, week. no, no, no. This is the actual show Survivor. Uh, the one show that I actually watch, which, by the way, as I told you guys like two weeks ago, I have the most useless player in the game, Heather. She's still in the game. She's still there? She's there. because She's flying well, under the radar. So, Ed, it's, it's a weird situation, but basically at the end of the game, right, like all the voted out players have to pick the winner. So all, everybody wants to go to the end with Heather because there's no chance that any of the jury is going to vote for Heather to win because she hasn't done anything. <laughs> yep. So Bishop's in a great spot. Like, she's not going to win. There's zero chance of her winning. But, like, you might be a lock for final three here. Right. So this, this pretty terrible player is going to make a really good run. Can I ask a question about the history of Survivor? I used to watch it, and I don't remember. Has it always been that the ones who got eliminated vote for the winner? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. So, Obviously, I watched it very closely because yes. I'm asking that. But uh, no, I so, gay. For it to be on that long, golf clap for those people. Yeah, season, My goodness. It just doesn't last. But yeah, so, season so, 41, as they keep saying this season. That's, that's their whole <laughs> stick, is that It's just season 41, yeah. Because here's the thing. I have Heather. She's the most useless player in the game. No chance to win anything ever. But if they voted her out before the final four, it'd be the dumbest move in the history of Survivor. And you want to get there with And that. I've only watched two seasons, and it'd be the dumbest move in the history of Survivor. Because, And here's the thing. If she finishes third, I get my money back. If she finishes second, I make like 40 bucks. So... I'm hoping she well, gets the final three. She gets one pity vote from somebody and finishes second. Give me, a, give me a call when the next season starts. I want in on this pool next season. You want it? Okay. All right. We've got we've got a lot of people, but we'll we'll find a spot for you, Justin Emerson. We'll kick somebody out. All right. I don't want to talk about hockey. What what is your holiday baking and cooking <laughs> plans? Oh, oh, I've got a lot. I've got a lot. I've got my uh, so my my parents and my sister in law, I guess, and my brother too, are coming to town. Um, We've got we've got all kinds of stuff. We're gonna I think we're gonna roast up a whole fish on Christmas Eve. Mm. We're doing uh, my wife's family roast recipe on Christmas. We're doing cookies, shortbread, tiramisu. We're cooking up a lot, man. Wow. Come on over. There's there's gonna be lots of food over at the Emerson House uh, that weekend. Listeners, go over to Justin Emerson's yes, exactly. house. We'll be tweeting out the address yeah. after this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tweet out the address and my <laughs> cell phone number, and just have them all come over. Give them the gate code, garage code. Just walk in and whenever. I mean, Jared actually will show up. Yes. It's like, very dangerous. To start Jared's <laughs> actually going to show up. He'll actually up. be there. I don't think you've ever <laughs> seen me in person, so this will be I'll be the weird-looking guy. I don't think I have. We talk on the phone for about 20 seconds once a week to say, hey, you're up soon. But I feel like we've got a good relationship, Jared. All right. 
is that team the other night, even without Jack Eichel and Mart- you know when Martinez comes back, when it comes back, are they finally back to the Stanley Cup winning team? Yeah, that's that's the team they got to be, and I think that's the team that they are. They looked they looked really good. That was Zaitai's their best game of the season. Uh, just getting their entire top six back finally for the first time uh, since the second game of the season. You got a functioning third line too with Yanmark. Uh, Wa and Dodona. Last night was the, or I guess Sunday was the first game that the top nine, all those guys had all played together in the same game. So getting them all together, you're still missing Nolan Patrick. You're still missing Alec Martinez. You're still going to figure out how Jack Eichel fits into the lineup. But if that's the team you're getting the rest of the way, this this team's in real good shape. As as a lot of us said the whole time, like they were treading water early in the season, but it was like, hey, you can't really judge their success so far until everybody's come back. Everybody's starting to come back, and they looked fantastic against um, the team that had been the best in the Pacific Division to this point. Uh, Justin Emerson from the Las Vegas Sun with us. So Jack Eichel, making him fit. Um, I don't know how it works. I assume yeah. there's like one person on the planet that knows how it works. Um, are we assuming still if he's going to come back, they're going to have to move a significant piece off this team? Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to just – the numbers don't work. They don't have the cap space to take the current team that they have right now and add Jack Eichel's $10 million salary. It just can't work. Unless, you know, you move somebody out, somebody gets injured. There's all kinds of cap machinations that, you know, maybe something works. But if everybody's healthy, fit, everything's exactly how you draw it up, then you, you can't fit Eichel into this lineup. So, I don't know. Maybe, you know, if Alex – if I'll just pick a big salary. Alex Petrangelo gets hurt near the trade deadline or whenever Eichel's supposed to come back, and you can put him on LTIR for a little while. Like, there's a lot of ways to maybe make it work. And as we saw last year with Tampa, if you can get to the playoffs, the salary cap is no longer in effect in the playoffs. So, who knows? Maybe Eichel doesn't come back until the playoffs start, and then you just put him right into the lineup, and you don't have to worry about it. So, we'll, we'll, there's a million different things that they could do, but – Somebody will have to be injured. Somebody will have to be traded. Somebody will have to do something. You can't just add Eichel to this lineup. So it's 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 going to be fascinating to see how they make it work. Okay, so no one gets hurt and everyone's healthy. Has Riley Smith outplayed the perception that he has to be the guy to go? Well, it's I don't think it was his play necessarily. It's the fact that he's an expiring he's on an expiring contract. He's going to be a free agent in July. He's thirty years old. He's playing well enough that he's going to realistically need a newer bigger contract potentially even long term and are the golden knights in position to give him i'm just spitballing here five years at five million dollars a year probably not with their outlook for the next few years so it would just make sense to if you're going to lose smith this summer anyway to free agency if you could you know move him at the trade deadline you could potentially get something for him as well as basically replace him with jack eichel so i know that they love riley smith and they don't want to do that you know, Genny Dadanov makes the same amount of money, but it, it, basically it's going to come down to, do you think Smith's leaving anyway this summer? And if he is, maybe you move him a couple months early. But if you think that you can extend him, get him back, then maybe you try to look somewhere else. Uh, what did you make of Robin Leonard and his decision to not go to the Olympics? Um, I thought it was, you know, it makes sense from him. He's He's been a guy that's always been very, very vocal about how COVID has affected him between the isolation and between the mental health aspect of it. He's a guy that throughout the league has, has championed this issues for a long time. And he's always willing to, you know, back up his words. And I, I thought it was admirable that he was like, you know what? The Olympics are awesome. It's been, you know, it's the honor of a hockey player's lifetime to represent their country at the Olympics. But this is more important than that. And that that's admirable to me. Okay. So you've seen them lose to Edmonton. You've seen them beat Calgary. 
Who's a better matchup for them? Well, for what it's worth, they, um, you know, both Edmonton games, they outshot the Oilers. They played better at five on five in at least the first game. Uh, Edmonton's definitely a better matchup in the playoffs. Calgary is a defensive team with some great goaltending. And as we've seen the last two years in the postseason, that's a problem. <laughs> so I think you'd rather, I think you'd rather take your chances with the Oilers, especially as we've seen with the Oilers in the playoffs, they get fewer calls in the playoffs. Referees kind of swallow their whistles a little bit. And when you're a team that clicks at a 40% power play or whatever the number is, that's a huge advantage that kind of disappears from the regular season to the playoffs. So I think that you'd much rather have Edmonton and you hope that, you know, whatever other team can take out Calgary and you miss them entirely. Though on Sunday, they proved that they can hang with the flames just fine. Did you say you were having fish on Christmas Eve? Yeah. Yeah. It's got a family tradition. We do shrimp and lobster has always been kind of the big family thing, but we got somebody coming who's, allergic to shellfish so i think we're going to roast a whole red snapper it's something that my wife and i have done before it's really fun all right first off terrific family tradition i'm coming and joining your family sometime in the near future um <laughs> you be- and jared can carpool because my family's tradition is oyster stew which is oh, God. Uh, oh. yeah it's just whatever um second water with- say what yeah but it's- like not nearly as tasty as what you just described. Um, second, yeah, yeah. how important is this person that's allergic to shellfish, and are they worth it to get rid of all the good stuff for Red Snapper? Well, uh, there's going to be a lot of people at the house, so we could, you know, do Red Snapper, and you know, maybe we throw some shrimp and fryer over on the other side, keep that plate separate. <laughs> just keep just that tell them to get away in a different side yes. of the house. You stay over there. <laughs> Yeah, you go, you go sit over there. We're going to go jump over here. But we'll make sure it's all good for everybody, you know? Well, he is Justin Everson from the Las Vegas Sun. Justin, we appreciate it. Thanks, brother. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. See you. So there's Justin Emerson. Got to get excited about Survivor. I'm winning my money back, maybe 60 bucks. What was the entry, 40 $20. Okay. When it might be winning my money back, hopefully, by finishing third place, by being the most useless player that I've ever seen play this game. Now, did you draft... You had it was it like a uh, random draw? Random draw. Ever seen a FIFA draw somebody. where they yeah, yes. they pull out a ball and they yes. say Barcelona, then they pull out another one and okay. it says Group A. Right, okay. that's how we did it. Two hats, names on pieces of paper, Heather, and then Tyler. So I get Heather. All right. Yeah. So because I mean, you don't know anything about the players going in. No. So no, I mean, I guess sometimes not. they bring people back for a second season or whatever. But like, you don't. Heather could have been could the have best been the player best in the game, yeah, exactly. and it would have been like, oh, awesome. But, yeah, you don't know anything about him, so it wouldn't matter even if you got to draft him. You'd just be like, uh, that guy's young? I don't know. I don't even know what you would draft him. There is a former NFL player in it. Still? Yeah, he's uh, in the final six now. Well, he yeah. probably wins all the challenges. Well, True. that's the guy you normally vote out because you're like, wow, he's really good at this. He's going to get votes at the end, but he's still in it. Maybe right. would have voted him, drafted him first. So to recap the show. Hold on, I have another chicken racing. Uh. To recap the show. <laughs> Tyler's chickens are racing, pole assassin, and Justin Emerson's holiday plans. It's a good show. It's a great show. And now we have tickets to Disney on Ice to give away. Happy holidays from ESPN Las Vegas. You could win four tickets to Disney on Ice Dream Big, coming January 6th to the 9th at Thomas and Max Center. We've got four tickets for you right now, 702-364-1100. Plus, you will be entered to win a 55-inch 4K Smart TV. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. If you want a four-pack of tickets to Disney on Ice, we will take caller number nine at 702 
364-1100. Well, I, again, I got to see the end of the game, you know, a little bit on TV, and then you start watching it again here when we get done cleaning up this game after our meetings now. I'm getting ready to go there after this. We'll get a chance to watch it again. But, um, you know, it looked like a hard-fought game by two teams that are playing really well on defense, and both to some degree struggled a little bit in the offensive side of the ball, which we can identify that with that a little bit as, as we're sitting here. So we'll see more of what the tape looks like as we get going during the week. All right, guys, good? Okay, guys, thanks. Okay. You're locked in the press box. What, you just want to hear the papers rustling? No. All right, so there's a reason I don't typically do the Raiders cut list where you cut up the press conference, and it's because I included I include things like a separate cut where it's just him saying, okay, thanks, bye. Bye, guys. And I just was I just find it delightful, and I know no one else is going to play it because it was something stupid I did. So my chicken came in second, another second Wait, place finish. How many times are you racing this? We've day? had about six races in this morning that you've already programmed that he already lost. I mean, I didn't program it. We just hit a couple buttons and get the chicken in the race. They are running on a net loss. No, these, these are all free races. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so they're they're still doing the practicing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely still practicing. They changed the um, the phrase they used is race logic. Okay. Because the first set of races they did. The way all of them were presented to us watching them is one chicken usually, maybe two, would jump out to a massive lead, and the the camera would just follow the one chicken. So you couldn't see most of the chickens for most of the race. So they went, they reprogrammed something because now all the chickens are in the camera frame the entire race. So good job on that. And yeah, they're still testing a lot of stuff out. But we won six more dollars, and we've got another race coming up in three minutes and 48 seconds. Have you given up on your horses? No, no, no. We raced some horses yesterday. They did absolutely horrible, but we still You're have... You're not paying attention. We still have horses. Oh, yeah. We're still racing our horses. They're making some changes in our fake horse racing to the classes. So once that goes into effect, we don't really know when, but once that goes into effect, we think our horses are going to be a little bit more viable racing because it'll separate them a little... It'll distance the better horses from the bad horses and the middle horses a little okay. bit more. All right. So no, we still have our horses. Horses still still going. We haven't performed very well in races recently, but we're still going with the horses. I think we still I think we have nine. We sold off more than half of our stable. So we went from like twenty five or six down to nine. So but we're still rolling. And now we've So you're a, you're definitely on a plus side money wise with the horses. Oh yeah, not even close. Okay. Oh yeah. Started with nine hundred bucks. We're twenty thousand dollars profit or something like that Man. yeah we did very good with the horses and we're hoping to do even better with the chickens well not if you're not if your best one keeps finishing last yeah that, he's a he's a What's problem he number 402 here. he's a big problem um yeah 407 407 uh he's a big problem because he's absolutely our most expensive chicken i right, well here's the here's the thing all right just like <laughs> the horses the chickens are going to be set up to where you want to finish first and last right you don't want to finish in the middle, fourth or fifth. You want to finish first or last. This chicken's supposed to be our best chicken. He's finished seventh or eighth in every oh, single race we put him in. It's not good. So that, listen, there, there's some potential here. He's only raced four times. There's some potential here that it's small sample size, and he's going to be a dominant chicken that finishes last and first a lot. We just need to race him more and find out when he finally starts finishing first. But... It is concerning that he's finishing last. I will say, I'm more enthused that he's finishing last than he would be if he was finishing fourth and fifth. If he was finishing fourth and fifth, I'd be even more angry. But finishing last at least gives me some optimism. Explain again, because what a shock. I don't think about this when we're not together. Why do you want to finish last? So there's class rankings, and the each chicken and the horses are the same way. You get points based on if you win. 
Okay. Finish second or third, you lose points when you finish last or second to last. So or that third jumps to last. you down to a different class so, where you can start winning. Right. Oh. When you finish last, you lose points. You can move down to a worse class. Yes, okay. be relegated and conceivably race against worse chickens or okay. horses. And then so, start finishing first and win money. Right. So that's the idea. Is you want to finish first and la- first to make money, last so you don't have to compete in the highest class ranking that often. It's almost like, yeah, you want to float between like rank one and rank two right. instead and of yeah. the problem with most of our horses, or at least our good horses, is they would win quite a bit, but they would never really finish last. So our horses would just continually move up to a point where they're most of them are now Plateau. racing against better horses and they can't win, but they don't finish last, so they don't really fall down very much either. So there needs to be more stratification amongst the <laughs> classes. They did that. Yes, that's what they're doing to the classes. The big change. See, Jared, no, Jared's got the, he's got this all. Jared acts out. like he does one here, but right. he appears like he's an expert on yeah, this stuff. It's, I mean, it's not that complicated. Not, yeah, the logic is all pretty sound there. Jared's got it. And they are. They've, they're adding more classes. We're going from, I think, what were we in? Four classes in horses to like seven classes in horses. So there's going to be a big diff, big difference, big change there. And we got a race in 26 seconds. Chicken or horse? Chicken. Very excited. We are in Madagascar, and it's going to be very fun for Chicken 3251. <laughs> chicken, we haven't named any of them. Chicken 3251 uh, is going to pull out the win here. I can't wait. It's going to be exciting. Let's chicken go. races are here. I'm going to be rich. Let's go.